Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players, by trumpet players, and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell and the superbly secluded Brian Appleby Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation. Hey, stop doing it wrong and visit www.worldtrumpetfederation.com for the truth about all things trumpet and cornet, I guess. WTF is what you should be thinking when you need helpful information, a fresh perspective, or just a good dose of the Open Bell podcast. And soon enough, you'll be able to get your own head-turning trumpet fashion that will have everyone around you saying WTF. And by Cromer Music. We are so grateful for the ongoing sponsorship of Chris Cromer, Cromer Music, and A Minor Tune-Up. They have been with us from the very beginning of the Open Bell podcast, and we are happy to support them as they continue to expand their business into the new year. You will surely want to check out Cromer Music, a pro-level online shop where you can find the best gear in the industry. At Cromer Music, you'll find a carefully curated selection of merchandise that has earned the confidence of top professionals from around the world. With a careful strategy to add one product line at a time, Cromer Music will use their decades of experience to hear your needs and offer solutions to make your life as a musician easier. They are the place to find your new Marcus Bona case with 31 different models to choose from. So go to www.cromermusic.com to check out the options available on Marcus Bona cases and let Cromer Music help you find the case that you've been looking for. A minor tune-up and Cromer Music, serving brass players with excellent care and products for years. The Open Bell Podcast is comprised of three segments, warming up, a couple things, and no offense. We use these segments to manipulate, massage, and masticate information that we believe is worthy of discussion, way too important, and without a doubt crucial to a willfully wanton trumpet community. Gentlemen, shall we? Today's segment of Warming Up is brought to you once again by Chopsaver Lip Care. Recently tested in the harsh cold winter of the northern PA wilds, Chopsaver once again proves to be the answer for lip care. I'm applying less frequently, and my lips feel better than they ever did on that old wax cylinder. And this stuff is made with all natural ingredients. It's healthy and safe. When my doctor recently asked me if I had gotten a flu shot, I told him no, but I am using Chopsaver, <laughs> to which he replied... <laughs> Well, then no worries. Hey, <laughs> hey, can I have a hit? I'm kidding. I would never share my Chop Saver. <laughs> and in case you're wondering, Chop Saver is indeed available now in the UK. Brian, you're Brian. right. So speaking of having chops on two continents, Brian, what sort of Anglo-infused intelligence will you impart today? <laughs> well, of course, more coronet, but that's the second thing I wanted to talk about. <laughs> The first thing is I was um, I had a meeting with uh, some colleagues this week and it's remarkable how isolated they all feel. And um, I was thinking just about this podcast. I don't know. It it's so fun just to be connected. And I don't I mean, you know, I don't like people anyway. So um, just this little bit of connection is sort of super helpful to this uh, whatever we're in month. 10 or something right. of this yeah. yeah so um anyway it's just really really helpful to my sanity i think the cornet thing oh, so um i i love a good story um and so 
I love listening to great stories. Um, I listen to um, This American Life on the on the radio and um, a whole bunch of other Scott things. Belk. And yeah, Scott, Scott Belk tells is a story as well as oh anyone I know. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing storyteller. Yeah. Um, but uh, this week I was listening to a very very short story. It's a, just over six minutes long, uh, and it was uh, it's called My Father's Cornet. And it's by um, a f- documentary filmmaker named Albert Meisels, and um, or Meisels, I guess. And uh, you can find it on this really interesting website that's all about storytelling um, called The Moth. I think it's The Moth Project, Project. And they also have a podcast, and they also have a, The Moth Radio Hour. And it's all about connecting community um, through um, through storytelling and uh, building community through storytelling. And there's a really little cute story. I won't tell you the story. You should go find it, but it's called My Father's Coronet. Right. So you're warming up as a taunt to go somewhere it's else. It's a taunt to go I somewhere else. Do really listen to this delightful little story about this guy. And um, it's a true story um, about his father's coronet and uh, and his life. And uh, it also ties in Wynton Marsalis at the end. Mm. It's pretty cool. Nice. Wow. So even when you're not talking about cornet, you're pointing us to more cornet. Exactly. Activity. I knew wow. you'd appreciate that. Totally. It is all about the cornet with him. It is about the cornet with him. Yeah. All right, Joey, what do you have for us today? I have a question for you boys. Are you ready? All right. All right, here's the question. You have been hired for a gig. You don't really know what's on the gig. You know who you're playing with, but you don't really know the music that's going to be on the gig. So how many mouthpieces are you bringing and what are they? Oh. Because I've well, thought about this quite a bit. Like, what am I packing? Sometimes I'm going and I don't know what exactly I'm going to be playing. So you kind of need to be prepared. So what's in the case? Well, I'm going to say I panic a lot less about this than I used to for this reason. And I blame you. Uh, You're welcome. Because I now travel wherever I go with two cases with six horns and the mouthpieces that go with them. So they're all in one pouch and I'm not that much of a mouthpiece guy. So I got mouthpieces for whatever I need in there. It kind of cross over and take care of everything. So is that six? Is that eight? It's it's five, one and a quarter C on the B flat and C one and a half esque for the E flat esque three ish for the piccolo (laughs) and (laughs) and a flugelhorn mouthpiece. I can't give away all the trade secrets. Okay. No, I, no, I'm actually on a one and a half uh, C picket on the E flat trumpet, and then a three D on the piccolo, and then my uh, one point five flugel picket mouthpiece. Yeah, picket flugel. Hmm. Yeah, so I, that's interesting because I think there would have been a time when I would have freaked out about it, but now it's like this is just the tool bag, and I just carry this, and it's got what I need. All right, Brian, what do you got? Uh, I'm the belk on the cornet, just one mouthpiece and the cornet. That's what you oh. show up with. Even no matter what it is, no Brian's just going to show up with a wick three and his cornet. <laughs> no, the, the picket, picket. Oh, that's right. Picket, picket, British. The, yeah, oh, the one you designed. The cornet. Yeah, the one I designed. Brian, the one stop. you designed. <laughs> just stop it. Well, I think there were others involved, but you terrible, terrible people. <laughs> yeah, and so Joey, so what do you, what do you, what's your purpose here? Well, I was just curious because I think, you know, when we were growing up, I mean, when Brian and I were growing up when there were trumpets, when you were growing up and there were still like, I don't know, herald people at the top of castles. Show, shofars. <laughs> so, shofars. Yes, exactly. 
there seemed to be a divide. There were the, there were the players that said, "Listen, you got to play one mouthpiece on everything, or you're just doing it wrong, and it's cheating." And we still hear the term mm. "cheater mouthpieces" and all those questions. Sure, yeah. And there were other people who were like, "Yeah, you're going to need to get something for that, and something for that, and something for that." Right. And there seemed to be a divide, and I do think there has been progress made to a more consistent approach across a pedagogy saying right tool for the job. So if you're going to you know, do different things, you might need different mouthpieces. But, you know, when I'm showing up, oftentimes, you know, if it's a pops orchestra concert, I don't know how pops it's going to be, <laughs> you know, because right. there are times where it's like really playing just a real live big band concert on an orchestra stage. And then I use my standard, you know, Hammond that, I don't. It's it's still in raw brass. I don't know that it has a number on it. Like Carl made it for me in the shop, and there it is. Um, but I will also absolutely have my Hammond 2L, which is kind of like a 1B, a little opened up on my version. Because what if I'm playing assistant on some things? What if there's some light pop stuff they want me around for? But there's an in-between thing for me that uh, I have found, especially playing pops concerts of. Listen, it's pop, so you don't really want to be using your Hammond 2L, you know, which is like a Bach 1B, because it's a little more than that, but it's not really leading the big band stuff. And so I've got, I have something like an in-between, but it is actually the same mouthpiece I use on E-flat trumpet. So what you're talking about is fundamentally still applicable. My Hammond 5, it's the 5ML. Mm. It's kind of that in-between for me where right. I can definitely, you know, I can get what I need from that, but... If it's not like, you know, big band stuff, shakes on high G's over the top of an orchestra, you got to find the right tool. So even on just holding a B-flat trumpet or a B-flat and a C, I'll have at least three right there. Wow. Like, what are we going to do? And, and I think sometimes people get into that, I need to be using one. And you know, we all grew up watching Lou Soloff, right? Because Lou Soloff was a great, you know, great jazz player, great lead player, great trumpet player. He really did it really well. Player, yeah. And maybe the the... The best example of multiple mouthpiece use. <laughs> I saw him. Uh, I believe I was a sophomore in college. He came back to Eastman. He was he he had gone to Eastman to do a do a concert and a master class. And I watched him in this one tune. He was playing with a jazz band, and I swear I watched him switch. Played the head switch. Play you know solo <laughs> switch. Play over the top switch. Play the switch. So we get to the you know and like wow. things, he's talking. He's talking. He's talking. And 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 then oh and any questions and like most master classes. Silence. So <laughs> I went in. Yeah. I raised what are you my doing? Hand. <laughs> I raised my hand and I said, um, "Can I ask how many mouthpieces you have on you right now?" And there's this like, "Oh no!" <laughs> like people are thinking <laughs> being snotty, and I wasn't being snotty. I was actually curious. Really wanted to know. Yeah. Like, what is going on here? And he, without a trace of anything, I went. Uh, mm. See, so reaches in his pockets. He goes, uh, six. I said, follow up. <laughs> so what's that? Well, if I'm doing this and I'm doing this and he had reasons in his head what that he thought this is good for, this is good for, this is good for. Now, he may have gone to an extreme I don't necessarily want to get to. Like, I don't want to feel like I need to switch phrase to phrase or, you know, if within tunes three times. But if it's needed, mm -hmm. you know, no. th then then do that. I'm just reminded of the other side of that. The The last time that I saw Ryan Anthony perform live was at NTC. He was doing the Concerto for Hope with the Wind Symphony there yep. at North Texas and set down his B-flat to move to the piccolo thing and took the mouthpiece out of the B-flat and put it in the piccolo. Played yeah. the same mouthpiece, right? I mean, yeah. yes. that's 
that was incredible. And yeah. I saw a masterclass with John Faddis and the student said, you know, what mouthpiece do you use? And he said, what do you got in that thing? The kid said, I don't know, one C. Faddis grabbed his horn in the mouthpiece, played a blistering G up to his double C. He said, yeah. hand it back. He said, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and, and there's some truth to that, but John does have a choice of what he chooses to play. Yes, he does. Right. And he does play specific stuff. Right. Right. I find it interesting the people who can't switch rims like that, like a lot of people freak out if they have to play it. So they'll have the same rim for every different. Yeah, they like the feel of that on their face yeah. to be the same or as similar as possible. Right. right. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Remember that time that student asked Scott uh, in a clinic how many mouthpieces he had on him, and Scott rolled his eyes back, said, "Carry the one." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But they were all seven C's. That's what I thought was amazing. <laughs> seven U's. Every one of them. Just variations on a seven exactly. C. <laughs> Brian, mean, is that what you meant when the diameter stayed the same no matter what? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just thinking, I was just thinking about that this morning. So, uh, Bill, what do you got for us? All right. So, you know, I like to get nostalgic about these things. So I, I was thinking about this today as I'm looking at my well, you horns here. have a lot here. more to think back on. Well, I do. It's a longer period of time. <laughs> Much longer period of time. I hate you both so much. <laughs> um, what was your first trumpet, and do you still have it? Oh, can I go first? The yeah, very go. first one. Yeah, go. Yeah, okay. So uh, I come home. Me and uh, my best friend John Perkins go to try out beginning band stuff because his sister was in band. We thought it'd be cool. And so we tried out some stuff. And I'm like, oh, I want to play trumpet. So I came home, and my dad's like, oh, yeah, I played trumpet in high school. We've got one in the closet. You can use that. So what he had was an old Selmer. Now, it's not oh, the balanced wow. action. It's not. It's just a Selmer Paris, straight Selmer Paris, yeah. right? And it looks like the lacquer was just falling off and stuff. It's like, cool. So I do still have it. My parents, uh, when I got into high school, uh, took it to the shop and said, hey, give it the once over and, you know, put it back into like like new and, and, uh, and, and really did a nice job with that. And I used that all the way through high school. I used that from the time I started all the way through high school. Um, I do still have it. It got a little dinged up in a move. So mm. uh, right now the first valve doesn't work like it's supposed to. I was going to have some uh, – actually, Fred and I talked about this. Fred Powell, um, great trumpet maker, friend of uh, all of ours, about, hey, man, could you take this and just get it back to like back to brand new, which of course he can do, and I just haven't gotten him the horn to do it. Is it on the wall there in the office? It's on the wall in the office. I absolutely wow, have it here. Wow, that's I, cool. I absolutely still have that horn, which was my father's horn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Brian, what was yours? My, it was a cornet, of course. Oh, oh God, <laughs> Bill, I, I specifically you said <laughs> you walked. Into I didn't this. ask what your first cornet was. I asked what your first trumpet was. And do you so, still yeah, I I do not still have my first trumpet. Um, I actually loaned it to somebody when I was in college. Uh, I loaned it to a high school student who needed it. It was a con, um, student model con that my grandparents had gotten me for Christmas um, when I was in sixth grade, and. Um, they uh and so a student needed it so i loaned it to the student and the student never not my student just a friend of you know my teacher's student you know needed help and um i had my bach then and i was in school and so i loaned it and just never been heard from again never got it back oh right? no nope. yeah. Yep. yeah never got it back um what was yours bill mine was an olds ambassador Nice. Came in that dark brown case with that dark brown velour in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, my parents found the thing when I first started. I remember this was a big deal because it was $60. Ooh. You know what I mean? And at that, yeah, at, that's that steep. at that particular time, that was, that was pretty rough. Right. Yeah. But my dad, you know, they, they got it for me 
And then I, the reason I don't have it and the reason I don't sell horns today um, is that I had to sell that in order to, to step up to the King Cleveland 600 the in King high school, Cleveland. right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Which I still have. <laughs> but that nice. old ambassador, that thing I recall weighed about 40 pounds. Those are right? dynamite <laughs> horns, though. Yeah. Yeah, those yeah. are, I mean, those are good horns. You can find a good vintage one of those. You snap those up. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I think but every time I see one of those, like, you know, I see it at a clinic or a festival or something, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, there it is. Yeah, I wondered if you guys remembered. How about your first mouthpiece to go along with that? Remember what you started on? What came with it? I'm pretty sure that my dad had a handful that were just in the case. Mm. And there was something like a 7C that was in there. Right. So I just used that until mm -hmm. my teacher said, yeah, we need to get you to a 3C like most. And then I got to my freshman year of college. Mel Broyles took my mouthpiece. We went over to his locker where he had a bunch of stuff. And he says, oh, yeah, these things. They're like, you know, these 3Cs. They're like made for 16-year-olds. And he kind of reams out the back end, opens the whole thing up. And he looks at me and goes, how old are you? And I'm um, 17. And he goes, yeah, right, perfect. <laughs> and hands it back to me. <laughs> That's great. So, somewhere in my past, I don't remember if it was the first one or not, but I had a 10.5C. Oh yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I still have it because I know Scott would pay good money for it, but <laughs> it's <laughs> it's somewhere in there. Hey, well, listen. Thanks for sharing that. You know what today is? It's time for another round of Jeopardy. Yes. And I'm so excited. I cannot be more excited for today because. <laughs> I've tried. I know look, you guys struggled a little bit the last time, so I've tried oh to make this a little more accessible. And I've been, I've been hearing fold. Joe, Joey's fold. complaints. Did. You did fold hard. Yeah. Uh, but and I've been listening. Joey's can be complaining about some category things. So I think you're going to be very happy today. All right. Here are the categories. Are you ready? Yes. A matter of principle. Now, we've done this category before, but this one is the British Brass Band Edition. <laughs> oh, come on. How am I going to be happy with that? <laughs> well, because there's a good chance you could get, I mean, you always know this stuff. You knew what year Brian's father was born. Well, and you and knows that. Scary, you answered before he did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next category. Now, that's Scottish. This is Scott Belk Trivia. <laughs> <laughs> okay now i'm a little bit happy all right it's gonna be great category number three no stinking piano these are questions about unaccompanied works for trumpet i'm going to test your knowledge of the unaccompanied works for trumpet fold uh -oh. <laughs> category number four i'm calling the early fold on that one <laughs> all right category uh -oh. four are you ready yeah. before and after yes this is the college professor edition uh-oh okay <laughs> Now, I might have to explain how before and after works since this is a new category for us. We've done this category a lot. This is um, a category that used to be called duets? No, duets is still a category, and that's next. No, that's before and after. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't understand how it works. <laughs> I'm, gonna, so, I'm, gonna, I'm turning this whole podcast right around. <laughs> no ice cream for anybody. <laughs> before and after is this. I'm going to give you the name of a trumpet professor who taught at a university, and then you're going to say, tell me who was hired after them. See, that's before yeah, and before after. Before and after. That right. sounds totally reasonable. Before and after. So I'm the not successors. Sure. Well, it's before and after. And then finally, we have duets, <laughs> which is, uh, of course, as you know, 
combining famous people with trumpeters around the world. So, so all right, gentlemen, uh, duets. So <laughs> you screwed uh, me because now I can't do it. <laughs> I'm so angry right now. Phase one of my it's, it's takeover. A two, it's a twofer. <laughs> it's a twofer for me. All right, all right. Let's test our buzzers, please. Oh, Joey, on. let me get my buzzer out. There it is. And Brian? Unbelievable. I thought Joey made you a new buzzer. I did. I emailed it to you and everything. Yeah, wow. I don't know how that works. Okay. Well, he can't, deals he with could, technology. He put his phone against I the computer. I said I made a buzzer for him. You did, I know. I was so excited about it. Unbelievable. All right, All right here we go. You can't, it's too late. How many text messages is it through? No, he emailed it. I thought right. I emailed it, too. And since Joey Fold. is our reigning champion, I well, think. not for long. Not for long. <laughs> uh, Joey, where would you like to start today? I'm going right in for uh, Scottish for one. Oh, now yeah. that's Scottish now for 100. Now that's Scottish. Name the university and location outside the United States where Scott Belk taught. Oh, crap. Oh, Jesus. Unbelievable. Oh, I know where it is. I don't know <laughs> the guys are folded. School. You folded <laughs> on the first question. <laughs> That's Scott doesn't even remember where that was. He just remembers how cold it was. No, it's I in won. Canada. It's up in... It's, yeah. It's We're getting close. In, I, no, I need the name of the school, and I need the, the place. I, I, I know the place. I don't know the name of the school. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's a shame. Is it even <laughs> in his bio? Uh, I, he probably leaves it out, but... <laughs> yeah. What's the name of the school? How appropriate that Scott is making you guys fold, and he's not even here. <laughs> St. Francis Xavier. That's it. Antigonish, Nova Scotia, Canada. Nova Scotia. That's right. Nova Scotia. That's correct. Oh, uh, let's keep going. All right. Well, keep falling. That, that's Scottish for two. I now didn't think I'd this early. Now that's Scottish for 200. <laughs> Scott's latest book, Progressive Lip Slurs, was preceded by his first book, which was titled. Oh. Brian. What is Modern Flexibilities for Brass? That is correct. Brian is correct. All right. Under the B, 200. Well done. Brian, where would you like to go? A matter of principle. For shocking. Yeah, shocking. <laughs> this this is... adjudicator sat on the corner at Brighouse and Grimethorpe. <laughs> Brian. Who is Alan Morrison? That is correct. <laughs> yeah, sh well, shocking. I didn't shocking. have that one at the tip of my tongue. Oh, for 200. This is this is garbage. It's Brian. a bloodbath. <laughs> I'm going down. A matter a matter of principle for 200. The top man at Carlton, Maine, isn't a top man at all. Rather, a top woman who impresses everyone. I don't even know what Carlton, Maine is. <laughs> Do a little research, man. You're playing a game here. Right. Come on. Come uh, on. Brian, Brian, are you going to buzz in or just yeah, scare yeah. me? Who is Chrissy Abbott's? That's right. Chrissy Abbott's. Brian is a bloodbath. Okay, let's go to um, no stinking piano for one hundred. <laughs> no stinking piano for one hundred. When learning this piece, please use the original manuscript with the note heads on the wrong side. Whoa! What is the uh, Ketting and Trotta? Yes. Wow! I love that you knew that, Joey. Yeah. I'm impressed. Well, let's stay away from uh, the principles. <laughs> I thought you were going to go in the principles for 300. I'm going to go into before and after for one. Outstanding. Before and after for 100. Jason Bergman taught at UNT. Who was hired after Jason left? 
Brian. Oh, Brian beat me in. Who's Caleb Hudson? Oh, that's the second one. Uh, can I go in? Yeah, you're. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it was Rachel Samoa. Who is Rachel Samoa? Uh, right? You guys are killing me. Oh, they were hired at the same time. They were hired two at the for same one. time. Yeah. Yeah. No points. But, so what am I going to give you both points on that? I, I can't get, split it. We each get 50 points. The math is going to be too hard. <laughs> I can't do the math. Okay. Um, well, Brian, you buzzed in first, so go ahead. Oh, yeah. okay. So um, before and after for 200. Before and after. Frank Campos and Kim Dunnick taught at Ithaca College for years. Who was hired after their departures? Oh, you got to do both of them. Who is Aaron Wittick and Chris Coletti? Bam. Nice. He's money on that. Yep. That Nails. is it. Well done. And in that order. So uh, I think uh-huh. that's yeah. we go with, uh, <clears throat> let's go before and after for three. All right. I love that you're calling this before and after. Well, I can't. I can't. I'm so <laughs> mad at you for this. I'm so frustrated with this. <laughs> Beautiful thing. Alan Siebert taught classical trumpet at the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. Who was hired after he left? <laughs> Joey. Who is Mike Mergen? That is correct. Who is Michael Mergen? And I'm going to I'm gonna right. check the points so far, but at this juncture, I think it's a tie. Might be tied. It's a tie. Yeah. Let's just, we can move on at this point. Uh, can we just call it? Because <laughs> eventually we're going to have to get back to that principal British thing. And I got zero shot. We're going to have to go to duets too. Let's, let's go to that. before and after for four. Before right. and after, I believe you said, for 400. I did. For many years, George <laughs> Vosberg hammered down the principal chair in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Who was hired after him? Who is Michael Wilkinson? That, that is correct, is Joey. Let's go ahead and finish out that category for five. <laughs> Before and after for 500. Kenneth Loudermilk. Although, I, I, hold on a second. You started by saying it was a college professor edition. That's an orchestral <laughs> question. Yeah. That's Whatever. Not a co- they're, they're not no, college you guys professors. Are, you guys are college professors. We're always college professors. That doesn't yeah. make the edition. And you you and said it was about teachers, yeah. where <laughs> they taught, and who succeeded them. And you're the ones that are playing. <laughs> That wasn't a college teacher question. I put that one in there for you to counterbalance the British principles. <laughs> I do appreciate that. Fun. You're welcome. He you sat next to him for a week. <laughs> Kenneth Loudermilk was trumpet professor at Westchester University before... Joey? Who is J.C. Dobrzelewski. Yes. Our good friend. And Brian, that was an Easter oh. egg for you. Yeah. Because I thought when you heard Ken Loudermilk, you would buzzed in immediately, but... You didn't. All right, Joey, where are we going next? <clears throat> Let's go back to no stinking piano for two. Why? Are you um, trying to avoid duets? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say it. I'm trying to figure out what I want to call it. <laughs> Stalling. <laughs> no stinking piano for 200. Crazy intervallic work and wild fingering patterns are characteristic of this composer's depiction of water. Joey? What is Cascades? That is correct. Vizudis, wow. Cascades. Yeah, uh, let's keep going. No stinking piano for three. Wow. All right. If you listen closely, you can hear the sound of Philadelphia in this haunting story for solo trumpet. The sound of Philadelphia? Yeah, that's like kind TSOP? of. Like TSOP? That's kind of, no, not TSOP. <laughs> that's it's what kind that of, is. I know. The sound of Philadelphia. No, TSOP is the sound of Philadelphia. This <laughs> that's what I said. It's something completely different, and it's meant to be a hint. Hmm. 
Well, that's again, not working. Again, I'm throwing it underhand to Brian. <laughs> Have you ever seen that the cartoon where no. the Bugs Bunny swings like 15 times and the ball's just hanging there? <laughs> we got nothing. What is that? Wow. This that's shameful. haunting story for solo trumpet. Huh. Persichetti parable. Oh, I should have just guessed that. Yeah, that That's would be the shameful. that would be the piece you guess on a right. in a Let's category for no, company trumpet. No stinging right. piano for four. We're out. Right. We got no. There's no way we're getting these. <laughs> this three movement work may be best known for having no bar lines or meter signature. Three movements. Three movements. Three movements. Company. <clears throat> it's about six and a half minutes long. I think. No idea. Tony Plog's postcards. All right. Oh. Let's go ahead and finish this off and be oh, done with right. it. right. <laughs> yeah. For 500. Oh, this is so shameful. The second movement of this composition requires intricate mute work to perform the notation on the score. Kind of known for being, this piece is really known because of the mute issues. The mute? I think Joey's got it. I could, I could uh, tell. Wheels are turning. <clears throat> It's been used for a number I of see it. I don't international it. competitions. I don't have it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Fold, fold, fold. It's the Henza Sonatina. There it is. Damn yeah. It. No questions on Krill? Come on. Oh, yeah. This is a trumpet Erickson. show, Brian. For Erickson? All right. Where are we going next, Joey? Uh, let's go back to Scottish for three. <laughs> I'm pinning him down. He's either going to have to go British <laughs> Or Scottish to avoid. Either way, I'm duets. losing. I'm losing bad. <laughs> okay, for three hundred, as we know, Dr. Scott Belk holds the doctorate from CCM, the master's from UNT. From where did he earn his bachelor's degree? <gasps> Brian, what is the University of Tennessee? Is that where the degree is from? I don't believe so. His bachelor's degree. So. I thought he graduated from there. Joey, what were you going to say? Wait a minute. Did he finish it? Uh-huh. That's the question. He, he, I know he did a little, actually, he, he did a little bit at IU. I know he did a little bit at Tennessee, but hold He on. started at West Virginia and finished, I think, at Tennessee. I thought it went the other I way around. You could be right. I thought it was the other, way. Right. I I the other way around, way. too. I was going to go in on West Virginia. Somebody text him. No, I'm not texting him. <laughs> No, I thought I had it. <laughs> right, Joey's looking it up. I'm going to look. I'm tech, I'm going in. Let's see if we can. <laughs> and then he's going to edit this out. No, he's not. No, I'm not. <laughs> he's going to let it roll. And then he's going to give Brian the points. No, I get the points. I think Brian's getting the points anyway. I get the points. <laughs> no, you don't get. How does he get the points? Because I'm right. <laughs> because it's Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's in here. It's not in his bio. Outstanding. WVU it is. <laughs> Damn it. All right, now let's the, keep going. Yeah, right, cool. We're going to keep rolling. See, I knew Belk would cause problems without even being here. Are we, are we staying with now that's Scottish, or Brian, are we moving on? I didn't win that one. It's Joey's. Well, I thought well, we got you the point. No one really won. Know. We gave you the Perfect. points. Perfect. Yeah, you now that's Scottish, 400. All right. On average, how many mutes does Scott bring to a typical Trombamundi tour? <laughs> Jeez. Joey? What is zero? That is correct. <laughs> Wait, I want to challenge that. He always brings a practice mute. Oh, no, it doesn't count. I won't allow it. <laughs> no. 
Uh, let's go finish off. Let's finish off Scott. Right. <laughs> now that's Scottish. Never been happier for 500. Perhaps no one is credited with more contributions to the Trombamundi lexicon. What was one of Scott's first contributions that is still the cornerstone of our vocabulary? I don't know if this is first, but what is landmark? There it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is first. That's Land certainly the best. It is certainly the best. And I am the, the owner best. of the original copy. And you have the signed copy. <laughs> I have the signed copy. <laughs> Which itself is landmark. Well, all right, Joey, are we going to do us uh, test your knowledge of British principal cornet players or are we going to play <laughs> duets? We don't have to test that knowledge. It is non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> so let's head over to what you are referring to as duets for 100. Because that's the name of it. Duets for 100. The L.A. Phil tours Kentucky's Bourbon Trail and plays several barn concerts. What is a Tom Hootenanny? Yes! Oh, wow! That's beautiful. That's I knew you were like that one. There we go. All right, there I'm happy is. again. Let's, Joey's back in. Let's go with what you are referring to as duets. For All right, two. Joey, a matter of principle for 300. No, duets okay. for two. <laughs> duets for 200. The mistake by the lake meets downtown New York City. Oh. Brian. What is Saks Fifth Avenue? Yes, oh, Mike Saks Fifth Avenue. There it is. I'm sitting here going Cleveland, Manhattan, Cleveland, Manhattan, Cleveland, Manhattan. It didn't do anything for me. Good job, Brian. Oh, do us for 300. We're on a oh, roll. Oh, Brian is so happy right now. That was really good. The New York Philharmonic re-records the soundtrack to the Three Amigos featuring this trumpeter. Brian. <laughs> What is Chris Martin? Who is Chris Martin short? Yes. Oh, yes. Come on. I would also like to posit that it could be Chris Steve Martin. Oh, yeah. Uh, could be. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was trying to work out in my head. Brian. <laughs> oh, for 400. Oh, you were going to stay with duets? Yes. Chris Steve Martin short. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right, I expect Joey to get this one, but, you know, I'm just trying to turn off the pressure. All right. For 400, Western Union contacts this U.S. Army Blues trumpeter. Western Union? Yeah. Unbelievable. When you get it, you're just going to... You're going to be so upset with yourself if you don't get Western this. Union. Western Union contacts this U.S. Army Blues trumpeter. People are screaming at their phones again, <laughs> driving, causing accidents. Somebody just hit a telephone pole. Screaming. It's embarrassing. It's, it's completely embarrassing. embarrassing. <clears throat> Come on, you pheasants. Get this. How about... No, that's not really right. That's not Western Union. Yeah, but he wrote it. It could be not really right. <laughs> Here it comes. He's got it. What is Alexander Graham Bell Breedlove? Oh, uh, no. Close, though. You're on the right track. <laughs> it's Telegram Breedlove. No! Telegram! <laughs> there it is! I was on the oh, right track. <laughs> I was in the right neighborhood. That's it. All right. All right, for uh, 500. Oh, duets for 500. 
unusually talented jazz at Lincoln Center trumpeter meets the usual suspects. Meets the usual suspects. Unusually talented jazz at Lincoln Center trumpeter meets the usual suspects. This is so good. This is so good. I don't have it. Brian? I don't have it. No, I don't. Ryan Kaiser Soze. <laughs> okay, now I'm actually a little angry at myself. <laughs> because you should have had that. Here's what's really going to make sitting, you I angry. I was sitting going, how does Marcus print up work into this? I, I, can't <laughs> right, right. Through my head. I didn't actually get to Ryan, which Ryan, I should have. Ryan Kaiser Soze. That question was sent to me by our student, Ryan Swear. Nice. Oh, That's a yeah, good one. So I want to give him credit for that. Very impressive, that Ryan. I'm, I'm angry yeah. at that one. Long, he's a follower of the show, and he's like, I have one for you. All right. Um, a matter of principle for 300. There it is. I can if, put my buzzer away. <laughs> <laughs> if I were currently sitting bumper up in Black Dyke, who would be sitting immediately to my right? Oh, there you go. Who is Tom Hutchinson? No. He's the only but, one I know. I took a yeah, shot. Yeah, I know. You're just going to keep saying his name. <laughs> if I can buzz in fast enough. Brian? Who, who is Richard Marshall? That is correct. Who doesn't know that? For Joey. Yeah, Joey doesn't know that. 400. Foden's has a reputation for excellence that rivals any of the bands in the UK. Who pulled the wagon there the longest? I don't even know what Foden's is. Is that a thing? (laughs) It's a brass band. That's a great brass band. It's a great brass band. I don't think that's right. Who is Mark Wilkinson? That is right, Mark Wilkinson. Man, I'm shocked. There's a lot of Brian is just seeming he's strong today. He's kicking my ass. I am kicking right. your butt, Joey. For 500, right. the final fi- one. All right. This virtuoso cornet player. Who's Tom Hutchinson? <laughs> oh, look at that. It's got to be him, isn't it? That's right. Oh, jeez. This virtuoso cornet player has made a positive impression no matter where he goes, but especially at Corey, where he is principal cornet. I'll take it. Who's and you got it. For 500. Yeah. Wow. It's fantastic. Did, it, did that mean he ties it up or did I? He, he actually won that? Well, I think it was tied after the CCM question, if you know what I mean. But, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I'd have to go back and count. Wow. Great job, guys. That That's was impressive. a lot of fun. Wow. Telegram breed love is so disappointing to me. Joey's I can't still amazing. I am mad. I'm mad at, 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 at uh, Ryan <laughs> Kaiser Soze. That's the one I'm actually yeah. mad at. I'm really proud of Brian for getting Chris Martin short. <laughs> that was. I want that. St- I st- I'm still saying Chris Steve Martin should count. Mike Sachs Fifth Avenue. Sachs is brilliant. Fifth, that was that was great. And I thought Brian, you were in trouble when he came out of the shoots with Tom Hoot and Annie without even thinking about <laughs> no, it. Didn't think about. It. <laughs> Boom. Fantastic. Uh, all right, boys. It's time for a couple of things. When the immortal among us have grown, garnered, and otherwise gotten some amazing skill or ability, and then think that everyone has to do it that way, we have a problem. The path is different for all of us, and just because Maynard did it like that does not mean it will work for you. Gentlemen, let's talk about the influence of icons. Oh, let's. (laughs) Oh, this is such a, oh, this is so good. Let's start with, let me start with the story since you brought up Maynard. Yeah. 
this might have been my first tour on Maynard's band, and, and you know, I think we all anybody who knows Maynard know the, the later part of his career before he switched actually to Monette's. He was playing the MF horn for a couple of decades, which was a Holton instrument, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and he had a good relationship with the, both the horn makers there and the company there, and he liked those guys. There's a guy I believe his name was Larry who made the trumpets, and Maynard liked him. So what I noticed on the tours, you know, he always had his horn, and then there was a second horn there. So he was playing through, and he played the first couple of tunes. Then he'd pick up this other horn, and I'm watching this every night, and he obviously just isn't as comfortable on this other horn. And I don't know what's going on, and I'm, I'm not going to ask. I, mean, I don't really, I didn't know if it was my place to ask. Mm-hmm. So there's a knock on my hotel room door. I open the door, and there's Maynard standing there holding two trumpets and says, hey, listen, I don't want to bother you, which was the best thing that's ever been said. Like, <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> Can we hang out? Let's go meet your door. I don't <laughs> want to bother you. Do? Uh, like, uh, you're the whole reason I'm here. But uh, so he says, uh, "Listen, they just sent me this new version, and I'm not sure about it. Would you mind playing both of them and tell me what you think?" And I said, "Oh, I'd be happy to." He says, "Okay, I'm in room this so so. You know, knock yourself out." So I'm playing on both the, the horn Maynard's been playing on for a while, and the new version that they've just sent him out. And for me, at that time, neither one is a horn I would ever use <laughs> for anything. <laughs> right? So yeah. I'm sitting here going, how does this well, make that thing go? I, I, you know, but I will tell you that the, the, the newer version, it, it didn't seem to fit him and it didn't seem to fit me even worse. You know, so I, I did go back and say, hey, you know, listen, boss, I don't know what they've done here, but I, I, I think I don't think this is better. <laughs> what do you think? He goes, ah, I mean, I like these guys. And this is the great thing. He's Maynard Ferguson. He goes, you know, he, these guys are doing good work and they're trying. I want to give them a good shot, you know, but I'm not really. I said, no, this isn't good. So he tries it again like two more nights. And I actually said to him, I'm going to hide that under the bus. You're not allowed to use that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But even the horn he was playing on all the time, which he sounds, I don't know, exactly like Maynard Ferguson, for example. Right. <laughs> going, I can't, I can't play that at all right so i think right. you know that idea of when we uh, you know this gets said a lot when we talk about horns when we talk about mouthpieces well so and so plays a you know this mouthpiece or this horn so that might be good for, that must be good for me and i think the only thing you could take away from so and so who's a professional player plays this equipment is that equipment is suitable for professional use. I think that's what you could take from that. Yeah. You know, I I think we could take from, hey, listen, you know, if 30 years ago, if we looked through all the orchestras in the United States, you'd see an awful lot of Bach 229H pipes, right? Right. Yeah. So whether or not that's a good horn for you, you know that that is a professional horn. In the same way, if you look around right now, you'll see a lot more Yamahas and Shires, right? Right. And still still an awful lot of Bachs. So what you can say is, those are quality instruments that are suitable for suitable for professional use, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily the great thing for me. And that even doubles up when we get to mouthpieces. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Now because there there are a couple times it has worked. Like so, this is an interesting one. You because you mentioned Shires. You know they they make the dock version, the dock horn, right? At Shires, right. the Doc Emerson has had. The, you know, these are my specs. This is what I want. And what's interesting about that is that he designed the thing so that he could light it up and really bring it. But interestingly, it works for, I had a student who had some real health issues and was kind of compromised and I put him on that horn and it's super easy to play 
So yeah. it actually worked uh, that way. You wouldn't think of it for that application, but it worked. Right, but this is where Shires has been the best company to work with Doc. Because over the years, over the decades, Doc's had uh, agreements and horns made by lots and lots of different people. Right. So what happens? Let's go back to the first one I think we all knew about, which was the Getzen Eterna, right? There was the yep. Getzen, Doc Severinsen, which was a good, solid trumpet. I mean, it was a good horn. So, but Doc, as we know, anybody who knows Doc, and I'm not saying we're all best friends with Doc, but we've been around him a little bit. We know mm -hmm. him a little bit. Right. Doc likes to mess around with equipment. Mm -hmm. So Doc <laughs> likes to change. He likes to futz with. Hey, could we, could we yeah. move? Can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? Shires is the first company I know about. That what they're saying is, and I've talked to the people at Shires about this when they, when they got going. They said, when you order the Destino, the Doc Severinsen, you know, Shires horn, they're going to send you what Doc is playing right then. Now, that may or may not be what Doc is playing by the time you get the horn. <laughs> so, so what they're actually doing is, is if Doc comes in, because the first version of this was one thing, and then, hey, I might want to switch a lead pipe. I might want to try a different bell flare. Maybe. And so it has evolved under the same name. And right. what they, they told me at the time was, we're, we're saying what Doc is playing now is what our current configuration of that horn is. Right. But that changes. That was always the thing is that if he's playing this Getzen, which he was playing for a long time, and then goes in and says, yeah, but I want something different. Getzen wasn't changing the name of their Severinsen model. Right. They were still selling that same horn. Shires sure. is actually selling what they've changed to. Right, right. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're, they're smart enough and small enough to be able to pull that off. So which is I, pretty I, cool. I don't really want to distract us here, but I have to ask this quick aside, and then we will get right back to this influence of folks with horns and ped and everything else. A pipe or H pipe on the C trumpet when you did play Bach? Well, my first C trumpet, like most of us who came up in the 80s, was a, was a, a 229 H pipe. That was my first one. Mm. I did not, it, it did, actually, that horn ended up getting stolen. That was the horn that got stolen when I was in the Army. But what I found in trying a bunch of stuff out afterwards is what I really liked was the 239 A pipe. That's the horn. I actually like that an awful lot. And if I remember right, and I, this could be wrong. I know I, the, be the bell's right. I know the lead, the lead pipe might be different. That's also what Marie liked. And if you're talking about before and after, that was my predecessor at IU. I think mm. she also liked a 239. But right. that's a different structure, different folks kind of thing. Yeah, I, start, I, I started on that C trumpet, but now I, I 229, 25H right. is what I have now. That's what yeah, I, I can't do the H. Never could. It was just stuffy for me. All right. But And it the reason, for, the, for those of you who may not know, we all know what the reason that horn is as popular as it is is because of Bud Herseth. Because Bud, yeah, that's Bud, the age. Bud played, right. That's the yep. 229, 229 H pipe. That's what Bud plays in the Chicago Symphony, which means that's what you should play. And that was the, sort of a default setting for us growing up. To clarify that, because I think this is right. I think I had this right. The A is Edelstein. Edelstein, yep. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah, Bernie. That's Bernie's. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of IU connections, there so we go. if we can. Um, expand this just a little bit so yes equipment and mouthpieces and and yes that's a way to sell sell instruments and to understand what a professional model instrument is and all of that and i think that's great but there are also two other categories i want to make sure we hit and that is um the what they play like what physically what, what material they play to practice um and then i also want us to hit um physically how they play like how they talk about how they play right and then maybe a third area might be how they make musical decisions. Can, um, I'm sorry. Let, let's clear the deck of this decks of this equipment thing though for just yep, a second, because cool. Joey brought up mouthpieces, and I was at Peter's place about a year ago, and he said, "Hey, I made this for 
trumpet player X, well-known trumpet player, right? Who sounds like a million dollars on it. He goes, you should really try it. And I put it in my horn and put it on my face and I could not get anything out of it. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. How do they do that? Here, but here's a, okay, how many sorry, would you sell? No, I was going to say, but how many mouthpieces could he sell because so-and-so, it's the Joey Tartel model. Well, I'm going to take that and play it, right? Because it's got a name on it. Right. This is a dead true story from when I, I lived in Miami. Roger Ingram had moved down into town and we ended up playing on a, a band that Teddy Millett, who's a trombone player from the Miami Sound Machine, he started his own like like a little Latin band thing we were rehearsing and put together, and it was me and Roger playing trumpet. So we were playing, and he like looked at my mouthpiece and said, oh, your mouthpiece is funny, like, you know. <laughs> and, uh, can we sw let's switch. So we're trying to play the beginning of this tune. So we switched mouthpieces. Now, <laughs> my mouthpieces, when I play lead, are still have kind of a normal bowl cup shape, but where my, where my, where I, my uh, balance is, is the throats are really tight, but the cups are, are relatively standard size. Where Roger has almost the opposite, where he has a much more shallow cup and a much more open throat. So we switch mouthpieces, we start playing the tune, and I make a sound that sounds like and he has, <laughs> I get no sound to come out, and he has like a you know, come on, train wreck. Beginning of the like for the intro of the chart, Teddy stops, he looks back, and we're like shuffling mouthpieces back to each other. <laughs> Everything okay back there? We're like, Yeah, we're fine. Everything's cool. Everything's good. Nothing to see here. Nothing to move on. <laughs> a couple of idiots being idiots. Right. right. But neither of us, I mean, neither of us could make anything viable on each other's mouthpiece. You know, exactly what you're talking about. Right. Because mouthpieces, especially, get really specific. Uh, horns are, I think, a little more general, but still, you want to find the right fit. But this does lead us to what, what, Brian, what you want to talk about is that and this is sort of the topic for the day, right? It's absolutely right for that person. Yeah. And they make it sound incredible. Yeah. So now let's shift then from the equipment to the pedagogy, which is where you want to go, right? Yeah. The, either the material they're playing or teaching or physically how they're talking about how they play, um, like how they breathe how they contract their abs, how they push the, the air up into the system, right? Mm -hmm lots of things how they grip the horn um what pressure they're using where they hear the sound uh projecting where they're pushing the air all of those things um i think we were watching a video this past week right the three of us um mm -hmm. uh, about uh some lead players and it was really interesting the lead players were talking about the mouthpieces that were designed for them and are available for everybody but they're like literally every step in the process is a little bit tweaked to just for that player and for what that player has to do. But then people will buy that mouthpiece. Um, but they were also talking about how they conceive of playing. But Louis Dalswell did say an interesting thing, which was, look, I can tell you how I do it and how I did it but I'm not sure that that's going to be the best thing for you, which is a pretty big admission, I think. Mm-hmm. It is a big admission, and I do think there's a lot to be learned by listening to and watching other players perform. The, what you're talking about is the next step, which is the danger step, yeah. which is then listening to certain players talk about, here's what I'm doing, which I do not think always matches to what they're actually doing. Right. I think there is sometimes yeah. a disconnect. I've, I've written about this and I've talked about this a number of times. There is absolutely no one to one, no correlation to be to great teaching and great playing. 
right? There are great teachers who are not great players, and there are great players who are not great teachers, right? Yeah. So just because someone is a great player does not mean that they are going to be great at communicating to you how to be able to do what they do, right? Yeah, right. exactly. Absolutely. Like, you know, yeah. and, and so when, when we're watching people play and saying, hmm, look at that, and then you listen to them and think, is that really what they're doing? It might be, it might be valuable for a professional or for an advanced student to at least hear how people are conceiving of things. But yeah. I do think it can be a little dangerous to hear somebody say, I'm doing this when that's not what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. To get from high C to high G, I do this. Right. And and that may not be what they're doing. And if you're trying to do that, you may be in real trouble. And you're talking about someone who's had some of these folks have had just great success. They sound like a million bucks, but they've had time to just kind of think about it in a number of different ways on a really ethereal kind of level. Like, you know, but that doesn't translate always so well to real pedagogy. Yes. And, and for some for some great players, they have either been a little bit lucky in either circumstances or upbringing or lots of other factors or just stumbled into playing really well. Mm. Right. And then they're mm. like, what do you mean? You just do this. And they're like, and then students are like, but I am doing that. <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you, you know? And, right. And then you're out, you're just SOL, right? Yeah. Just because if this you don't accidentally get into it, you're, you're shot. So the pedagogy has got to, for us, has got to be, as you said, Joey, this week, it's got to be systematic. There has to be some sort of system that applies so you can gradually get to where you need to go. And yes, and I absolutely believe that every single part of the horn is learnable. You know, the idea, and we heard this a lot growing up, especially when it comes to range, that you either are born with it or you don't. But no one has ever said that about sound or multiple tonguing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. They're like, oh, you right. can practice that. But range, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. So <laughs> That's you, not something you can but, learn. But you say that like a guy with the range talent that you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. I've obviously never practiced a day in my life. I uh, woke up one morning and the double C's just come raining out of the bell. That's just how it is. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with uh, everyone else. Well, the same right. thing's true, of, you know, when we were first first with um, Trombo Mundi and I talked to Scott, and it's the only time, I think it's the only time he's ever been actually angry with me. Um, at least that I remember. He's well, probably they, like, he probably they, thinks there are a lot of times he's been angry. Well, after today, that could change. Right. Yeah. But he said, you know, I said, it must be nice just to have those, just be born with those notes or something, or just have those notes. Oh, gosh. Oh. And, and he swore, he like literally swore at me, and he said, it took me 20 years to learn how to play that note. Yeah. And, yeah, I, right. and so then I was thinking, oh, well, so maybe that is up. Because nobody, to be <laughs> fair, as I was going through college, you know, when I was in Cleveland to my master's, Michael said, look, you just need to have a D above high C. That's it. If you can play a D above high C, that's, everything's fine. And, and for a majority of the job that he does, that is correct. Yeah, but he can play Brandenburg. <laughs> yes, he can. I said a majority. Yeah. It's great. You know, when he yeah. plays it, it's beautiful. Well, but yeah, Michael Scott, I mean, uh, come on. I mean, he might say that, and that, that might be literally true for the job that he's doing. But he's got total command of the entire range of the trumpet. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't something that we talked about. Mr. Darling had a double C. You know, he played fourth in the orchestra. He played double C's in lessons. We didn't talk about how to get there. Right. Well, I, I had this discussion with Mike Chikowitz years ago. 
you know, Mike and I got to know each other when I when I moved to Chicago and we were freelancing. And he got in touch with me. It's like, hey, man, can I just come talk to you about some stuff? You know, and came down. And after we kind of worked through a couple of things here and there, and kind of, we came down two or three times over the course of a year. And at the end of it, kind of said in the, in the most self-effacing way, so what you're kind of saying is I should have listened to my dad, you know, but I said, if you look, if you look, well, I said, your dad was very good at this sort of thing. But if you look at what Vince Chikowitz's job was, he was playing second trumpet in an orchestra and he was most of the time training orchestral trumpet players. So I don't think his focus, and I didn't know him. I don't want to speak for him in any way, but my guess is he wasn't really worried about trying to play a loud high G on a daily basis. And that wasn't something he was really uh, saying, this is an important part to what I'm training people to go do because that's not what my students are doing. Now, the interesting part is what my fundamental belief is, and we've done this before, is that but what he was doing will actually get you there if you just keep applying it. Just Don't stop at the high C and high D. The yeah. same principles apply uh, throughout the entire range of the trumpet. Yeah. And this is where, I mean, we are intrigued by, you know, you hear somebody who's an amazing player and you're like what are they thinking right i want to know what they're thinking right there like how do, how do they get that how do they do that but but ultimately that that quick answer isn't going to be isn't going to be an answer for you it's got to be systematic it has to be systematic yeah and 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 that's true and consistent but Data. there are people okay. that sort of there are there could be jumps along the way like you'll see the people go along and then suddenly like something clicked in and wow this works now mm-hmm you know, like I've been working, uh, one of my freshmen this year, she comes in and she plays really, really well, but her sound just sounds small to me. So each mm. of the first three or four weeks, I'm like, I need you to play out. If it feels like louder, but let's go. I want it to sound like this and we're going back and forth and we can get her there every week. And then a week later, comes back in. And then like four weeks into the semester, she comes in, maybe five weeks, and the first thing she plays, I said, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, I think I'm getting it. And there's like, almost like a leap and that can mm. happen as well. So it's not like, you know, you just have to keep grinding. And sometimes there's like the floodgates open and there's like a big, you can have a big leap forward and then like, oh, that makes some sense now. Yeah, that I, that's interesting because for, for me over the years, players, of course, develop at such different, in different ways. Like exactly. some players, everything grows up at the same time. It just sort of spirals up. But others will develop this one silo of something and then something else will pop up over here and then it'll leap and then eventually it all comes together. Um, but yeah, it's, they're, they're all so different. So those leaps are definitely, definitely part of it. Right. But they're part of what you're talking about. You want to have that systematic approach that allows for that because otherwise you're just shooting in the dark and hoping for the best. But to the, what we're talking about here is I don't want to, I'm not here to tear anybody down. What I'm here is saying, I want you to be smart about what you're using for. So if you're seeing a great player who is not a great teacher, watch them play listen to them play and if you want to talk to them about what they think that's fine but boy if you're really really intent upon getting better you also in addition to that want to find a real trumpet teacher which oftentimes is not the player that you're looking at well and isn't isn't the warning sign the flag there is ultimately you it sounds great it's it's really incredible and then when you do a little digging to try to figure out what it is you might get an answer like well you'll figure it out Right. You just try this, do a little of that. And it'll, it'll come to you. Right. Cause I mean, they came to me, so you'll right. and, <laughs> obviously yeah, work for you. There, yeah. yeah. There've been different variations of, Hey, listen, nobody can do this for you. And that's true. 
but there are people that can do a better job of guiding you along the way of like, listen, you're going to have to figure this out on your own, which again is true. But boy, wouldn't you like somebody, would you rather have somebody just drop you off in a forest or would you have to have somebody there with a map? Right. Yeah. To give you some direction. Okay. So now what, what happens about, um, so these, these icons who play these solo pieces, um, or play in a way that, um, just becomes the tradition. So you could talk about like Marie, Maurice Andre and the and the. It's uh, funny Maurice Andre was the first name that popped into my head. Yeah, the, his ornamentation, right? Or his how hard he tongued, how hard he tongued on the piccolo. Or when he tongued on the piccolo. Right. Like the slur exactly. to tongue two or tongue mm. on four or start from above or start from below or I'm going to take this up an octave right here, you know. And there's just mm -hmm. like the way I play the fourth movement of the Telemann is exactly how he plays it because that's how I learned it, musicologically. <laughs> right. I'm, not, I'm not sure I have a leg to stand on other than that's the way Maurice played it, which <laughs> is actually in the trumpet world good enough. It's that's really, good enough. Yeah, that's a great argument in the trumpet totally world. Totally fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, the last time I played Brandenburg, if you listen to uh, most people's most trumpet players recordings of Brandenburg on on, you know, on modern equipment, you hear a lot of slur to tongue to. Mm. Right. Now, when yeah. you listen to the other three soloists, that is not what they're doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, and so the last time I did this was a couple of years ago in Indianapolis on some fairly short notice. And the first rehearsal, I was standing right next to the flute player and we played through the first movement and, and she said something. She said, hey, you're not doing that like whole slur to tongue to that all the trumpet players do. I said, yeah, I know. That's not, mm. it doesn't sound like you're doing that. She goes, yeah, I want to ask you about that because that's <laughs> that's what she's heard. It's always da 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 But everybody else is going every you know the violinist is changing is bowing up and down and they're all tonguing every note. I don't I'm not I don't understand. No offense to you, but lost bill. Right, right. So you know, so is that okay or not? It becomes then the question. Right. Yeah. So yeah, Brian, that's what you're talking about, right? Like we how much we throw performance practice out the window because an iconic player did it a certain way. What about a Nesco legend, the, the fast section? It's da da da. We're thinking 16ths. Not D. Right? It's not a 16th. You don't like the stylized. Yeah, you want what's printed. Yeah, but it is it but it's thirty second, right? Because so thirty second is not a sixty fourth. Right. Right. Yeah, but what if you have to breathe there, Brian? Nope. You don't get to breathe there. You just breathe ten notes before. Stop it. Or try to find a recording in that piece that that has six full beats on the end. Oh, that's one we call people on here. I will tell you. John John and I have been really mean about that Jerry's. Hey, how long is that last note? Yeah, <laughs> in retard, six full beats in retard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Right. So, so there's lots of like, how do we deal with that? And um, you know, well, the, the way you could deal with it too is is a, it's another Belkism. When I, I criticize somebody's um, Charlie A two recording on YouTube, and Belk goes, oh, "That's a good point. How's it compared to your recording of Charlie A two on YouTube yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that has however many thousand views?" Yeah, right. I was like, "Okay, oh, it's a good point." Uh, no, yeah. that, that's that can be sort of true, but that's not fair either. That's that, true. That's like saying if you can't do it, you can't criticize it, which people do say an awful lot. Which I don't agree with because, you know, there are great trumpet teachers out there that are not great trumpet players. That doesn't mean they don't have a leg to stand on to help other people. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. 
That's true. Yeah. But it's just it just I found it fascinating, and I found the dis I find the discussion fascinating. I like how I like how I played it. I played it just like Bud Herseth, right? Well, right. First, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you weren't standing next to Bud Herseth when you heard that. It's a very different sound up close. Let's be clear. <laughs> and well, second, you didn't sound like Bud Herseth. <laughs> well, you know, we do that. We we send go find recordings, right? Go find, tell yeah. me, bring back a recording you really like. And and I've had that discussion too, where they come back and I'm like, great. What are you listening to? And they they'll tell me the link, and I'll put it on. You know, get about six or seven notes in and go. Uh, no, <laughs> why don't you <laughs> let's reference yeah. this one, you yes, know? Sure. Um, yeah, you especially know. with, with, with YouTube's make that a lot harder because I have asked people, if you listen to this, yeah, who you listen to? I don't know, somebody on YouTube, right? Oh, no, yeah, unacceptable. No. Yes, you have to And I've said to them, is. you might be better than that person. Why are you taking their advice? <laughs> <laughs> we, we might need a little pedigree here, right? Yeah, but it, it, this gets to what we've talked about before, a little consider the source action, the idea of, yeah, for that's why it's when you're listening to iconic players, yes, listen to them play. Yes, watch them play. Mm. But the explanation, if it doesn't make sense to you, one, give it some real thought and consideration, but that doesn't mean what they're saying is actually what's happening. Yeah, I, I have an issue with something like how we do Gabrielli based on the the three right pillars the, the those amazing sections chicago philly and cleveland doing mm -hmm. the gabrielli recordings against something like his his majesty's cornets and sack butts uh, you know hysterical performance practice version mm -hmm. of it um and comparing those two and and knowing or you know when i play uh christmas music in a brass group the only thing i'm thinking about is a festival of christmas in brass the Philly Orchestra, you know, six mm -hmm. players. Like, that is the way Christmas music, brass Christmas music goes. And now I have students who are like, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, no, that's just the way it goes. I just can't get in my head. It goes any other way. And when I hear until the Trombamundi Christmas album. Well, right. Yes, that'll be di very Which different. will be, will redefine a lot of things, I think. For I a lot think of people. For a lot of people. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Redefines the right see on this. Yeah. Well, it is the most moondiest time of the year. That chart's already done and on YouTube. It's done and ready to go. <laughs> you can go watch that one today. Uh, well, this seems like a great time to transition to no offense. So we'll just tie this all together. Today's topic, if your pedagogy is based on just go figure it out, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> We need we need to, for the sake of our students, define a systematic approach to no matter what it is. And that includes, I think, identifying the recordings that we want them to listen to for any Ab piece. Absolutely. If, if you have a teacher that is just only telling you, hey, listen, you got to figure this out for yourself and not giving you any way to do that, it's time to find another teacher. It's valuable to figure stuff out on your own, but yes. if you have to figure everything out on your own without a map and without a guide, it's just going to take you forever. There's, you know, somebody else accidentally figured that out early and they're going to make it and you're going to take forever and not make it. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah just that, that teachers are there to help and guide. But yeah, you're because here's the thing done right. You're going you're still going to have to do all of that work right. when you exactly. do figure it out. Mm -hmm. It's still going to be because you did that work. This is the, uh, the the good part of being a teacher. I don't know. I don't know good teachers that take credit for their students successes. Right. What they do yes. is say, yeah, I mean, listen, they did all the work. 
did right. all the work. Right? They yeah. did all the work. I can't do that work for you. And the hard part of being a teacher, which I know all of us have struggled with this, and we've all had students that do well. And then we're like, well, yeah, they figured it out and they've done the work and they did really well. Good for them. But when students don't, what happens? We as teachers <laughs> do the opposite. Like, what did I not do to get, help them get there? So exactly. we don't take the credit, but we will, we do <laughs> put the blame, blame on ourselves. Right. Yeah. Take which the blame. is the hard part of being a teacher. Like, yeah. what more can I do to help this student? But well, yeah, and you... Yeah, you want you want them to have other influences too, though, right? So as the teacher, you want to, you want to lay out the system and say this is the way it goes, and you do want to steer them toward other things. But as students, have to be careful about that, like just accessing this from here and this from there. It's like being on three different diets at once, right? Like I'm <laughs> I'm doing keto, but tomorrow I'm gonna count carbs on Wednesday. Well, I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm I'm gonna do the all carb diet, and then yeah. right, you know, it you gotta you gotta kind of stick with the plan here in order to progress and. Yeah, but the different influences can be valuable because there's not only one way. Right, right. Right, there's not only one way through. So if your teacher's, you know, you're working and working and you go to someone else who says, hey, have you thought about it this way and that works? Use it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's great. But now we're back to consider the source. Right. Whatever episode that was, just yeah. consider the source. Yeah, Outstanding. Absolutely. Well, listen, that about does it for today. Thanks for joining us on The Open Bell. Stay tuned, subscribe, tell your friends, and please buy some merch. So long for now. Remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell.